0: But right now, take your Bible, and Philemon is where we're going to be. We have 35 minutes left, and we're going to get a sermon out, 25 verses total in the book of Philemon. We're going to go through about 15 of them today. It's going to happen. And uh, as you guys open up there, you guys know it goes Acts and 1 Corinthians, and, and then Romans and Romans first actually, and then it goes into Galatians and Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians, and then there's some Thessalonians and Timothy, and then it goes from Timothy to Titus, and right after Titus is Philemon. If you hit Hebrews or 1 Peter or James or Revelation or 1. John or Jude or any of that stuff, you've gone too far. 1289, chapter 1289, actually page 1289 is where we're at. Let me read to you verse 10. This is where we left off last week. Paul says this. He says, I appeal to you. It's to Philemon. He's writing to his buddy. I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. Onesimus is only mentioned in the Bible twice. Here in this verse, he'll never be mentioned again, except in the book of Colossians. And in the book of Colossians, Paul ends the book of Colossians saying, hey, the guy who's delivering this letter to you, twofold, his name is Tychicus, and my buddy Onesimus. Isn't that rad? Onesimus makes the Bible twice. He's a runaway slave who had betrayed Rome who had betrayed Philemon, who had betrayed his family, who had gotten arrested for it, who met Paul in prison, gave his life to Jesus, was forgiven, was spirit-filled and born again. And listen, now he's doing the things of God for God and with God. Is that not the story of all of us? We're runaways and rebels and has-beens, stowaways, rebels, bad guys and bad gals. And then the Lord meets us, oh and I don't know your testimony, I just assume. I, I can see you guys, you're pretty, pretty rough. And you get saved and all of a sudden you're like, now what do I do? Well, this book of Philemon is a book of reconciliation. We've titled the study of Philemon, this small one chapter, 25 verse epistle, which you should be familiar with. I talked to a guy yesterday at the CrossFit gym and he's in the ministry and he's been in the ministry for a while. And he said, what are you guys teaching tomorrow? I said, we're, we're in, in Philemon. And he kind of laughed. He's like, what's that even? About? I have to be honest, I've never read <laughs> that book. You know, it's a real small one. I Well, so it's a book of reconciliation. It's a book of the gospel in action. See, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. Amen? Amen. Amen. But the gospel, listen, I believe, is best demonstrated, evidenced, and witnessed in the lives of believers as it flows horizontally. Let me say that differently. The gospel of Jesus Christ is real. You guys ever seen a shirt that says Jesus is real? We got dozens of them, okay? Jesus is real. And I believe it's best evidenced horizontally in the way that you live with your coworkers, your friends, your family, your enemies, your frenemies, and all the people around you. Because Jesus was asked a question one day. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Hey, what's the greatest command? What's the greatest command? He says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That would be enough for me. Like, oh, got it. Thanks. He's like, and? You're like, there's more? He said, yeah, there's more. And the second greatest commandment is just like it. It's not vertical. It's horizontal. Love your neighbor as yourself. Why would he say this? And he goes on to say why he said this. I'm so grateful for this because all of the law and the prophets, the most important things in the whole entire world to a Jew and to everybody who's got a pulse, Hinge or hang on these two commands. If you're loving God vertically, if you're loving people horizontally, guess what? You're gonna also be fulfilling the other 613 laws that are in the Old Testament. You're just not gonna be acting like a fool. Have we ever not loved God and not loved people and done silly things because of those two realities? You know what I'm saying? When you break those first two commandments, love God and love people, you do weird stuff. Selfish stuff, sinful stuff, rebellious stuff, carnal stuff, worldly stuff. But if you're loving God, oh, I love you, Lord. Oh, I love you too. What? You fulfill the law of Christ. It's so simple. So instead of having a bunch of rules and a bunch of laws, God says, Hey, why don't you just fall deeply in love with me? But don't just stop there. I want you to also walk in real love with the people around you. Now, that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The problem in the catch, though, is some will fall short in one of these two commandments. Some will say this, some will be Christians religious folks and they say I love God so much I love the Bible I love the kingdom I love heaven I love worship I love church I love all of the things I've got it's so rad you ever met a Christian like that and you say well tell us about your family and your community and close circle of friends oh I hate them they're the worst my family they're the worst hypocrites weirdos oh the world the big bad ugly world man I can't wait to get out of here this place sucks and if you met a Christian like this that is vertically connected to the Lord, man, I'm just such a Christian, I'm so into it, but I'm in my holy huddle Bible bubble, us four no more bar the door. I don't wanna get you know any, any cooties from the world. And God says, oh, that's why I put the second commandment on there. Listen, there's another group of people, though, that fall short from the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're what we would call not the religious folks, but the humanitarians, these are the ones who volunteer at rotary and they volunteer at the library and they give and they serve and they support boy scouts and they you know do the crosswalk people at the schools and they do all these things and they volunteer at the recycle center when you bring your milk jug that you didn't rinse they rinse it out for you because they love the environment you know and they do all kinds of things horizontally and you could ask this person cool how's your relationship with god god there is no god there's no god it's just us it's it's us it's humanitarian And they fall short then in that commandment. This is why God gave us both of these commandments. And here's the challenge. Here's the crux. Here's the test for you and I every single day. Love God. Love others. It's got to be both. Some people will do one or the other and mistakenly miss the other. Now, here's my point. I just got done teaching through the book of Acts. and 28 chapters of the early church, and the book of Acts is fast and furious. It's broken up in largely in two parts. Chapters one through 12, highlight the Apostles and Peter. Chapters 13 through 28 highlight Paul and the Apostles as well. Kind of Peter and Paul are the main people groups as we're studying them. and this book we're reading today is written by Paul. So I can't help but read this in the timeline of the book of Acts from Paul's heart, while he was boots on the ground, suffering in Rome. And his mind was engaged upward, but it was evidenced outward you got to ask yourself today, is this how, is this me? Am I really in love with the Lord? Am I really in love with the people around me? Is this really being seen in my life? Book of Acts, I would just encourage you guys to read it. I've been doing the Book of Acts now for uh, 12 years at the Antioch Christian Training School, sometimes twice per year. I was doing the math last night. Since since I began teaching the Bible, I've taught through verse by verse the Book of Acts 19 times. 19 times beginning to end, verse by verse, making application with various groups and peoples. And there's a couple themes in the book of Acts. Number one, you have to be spirit-filled. I mean, I'm just gonna say it again. Somebody's listening right now. You gotta be spirit-filled. You gotta be spirit-filled to stay married. You gotta be spirit-filled to serve your kids and your family and your people around you. You gotta be spirit-filled to be in the ministry. You gotta be spirit-filled to abstain from the world. You gotta be spirit-filled. You gotta be refilled. You guys ever gone to Taco Bell before? So rad. I'm going there today. And when you go to Taco Bell and you dine in, I'm I'm not kidding. When When you dine in, you can get a soda and you can drink it all the way to the bottom. And when it's bottom, you know what you gotta do Refill it, Baja Blast every time. Nothing else, and you just get these refills, man. And when you're a Christian, you got to be refilled. You don't get resaved. You're already saved, man. You're already at Taco Bell. You already got the heartburn. It's done. But you need you need more power. You need to be refilled. Not only do you need to be refilled, we see this in the Book of Acts, but you need to be a witness that Jesus is real. Listen, please. This is kind of the crux of the message. You need to be a witness. We put shirts on, this is what we do. We we, we do laundry for people. We send people to Ukraine. Okay, you gotta be a witness in something. It's best evidence, not just in the way you write checks or the way you pray prayers or the way you say you worship or wear a shirt. It's best evidence in the way that you walk in through this messy life with people around you. This whole book is about reconciliation. Paul is writing to Philemon. Onesimus has hurt him and he says, "Hey, hey Philemon, I need you. I beg of you. I'm asking you to forgive this man because Jesus is real. And then the third theme you're going to see in the book of Acts, and I, I'm just putting this out there quickly, it's not just you got to be spirit-filled, but you got to be a witness about Jesus. But I see this in the book of Acts. you got to be flexible. Because life rarely turns out the way you planned. Amen. I know you guys are the 9 a.m. service, and you're high control. I realize that. You guys are, you know, the, the, a, the apostles, you know. But life has not gone the way you anticipated, has it? It just hasn't. And you best be ready to say, okay, Lord, thy will be done. So here's Paul in jail now, and he meets Onesimus, And he writes to Philemon, and he begins to then appeal to Philemon. He begins to then argue with Philemon that he would forgive Onesimus. And let me just remind us all that this is what God wants us to do for the people. I love driving here on Sundays. I have my kids with me every Sunday, and every Sunday at one point in the drive, I'll turn the music off and I'll go into prayer, pray for the churches we've passed Pray for the service we're about to enjoy. Pray for the people that don't, don't go to church. And I begin to appeal heaven for earth. And here, God is appealing to Philemon on behalf of Onesimus. And I would appeal to you today to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because you're here right now. You guys here? You guys got a pulse? Everyone got a pulse? Wouldn't it be awesome if as soon as you got saved, you got raptured? Wouldn't that be awesome? It's like, I believe. Wow! You know, I believe. Wah! you know we have no churches just no churches like empty churches but instead we get saved born again spirit-filled forgiven eternally destined now what are we doing i'm trying to tell you right now now what are we doing now because you love god this way now it needs to be expressed horizontally has to be look at verse 10 again He says, I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten while in my chains. This appeal is the same appeal for uh, for the sons and daughters of God. And I believe God through Jesus is appealing to you saying, would you just be my son, be my daughter? Look at verse 11. Who once was unprofitable to you, but now is profitable to you and to me. Stop right there, eyes up here. We saw this last week. He says, this guy Onesimus, which by the way, in the Greek, his name Onesimus means profitable, Paul's using kind of a pastor pun thing here. He was unprofitable, but now he's profitable to both you and me. You know, Paul's being a weirdo, you know, a little bit. And he says this about Onesimus because we all know that Philemon, when he heard this name, he'd oh, Onesimus. And Paul's saying, hey, he's new now. He's brand. He's with me. He's born again. And can I just say that if you are also rolling with Jesus, you're brand new. You're made new. You're now of value. You now are profitable. You have great worth in Jesus Christ because you plus Jesus equals everything. There's nothing more you need now because of your identity, your worth, your value, and your partnership with Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying that about Onesimus. Like, oh yeah, he once was unprofitable. Dude, he's off the chain now. This guy's fired up, both practically and spiritually. Look at verse 12, he says, I'm sending him back to you. Therefore, receive him, that is my own heart. I want him to go back to you. I'd rather he's gonna say in a minute, keep him here with me, but I know how this works. This idea of reconciliation. He's gotta go back before he can truly produce fruit. Isn't the Lord really thorough in his reconciliation, in his forgiveness? in his restoration, almost too thorough sometimes. like, Lord, why is that person coming in front of me again? He's like, well, I want you to say sorry to them. I'm not sorry, Lord. (laughs) I know you're not. Can I just encourage you? The Bible says in Matthew 7, Jesus speaking, he said, if you're about to worship and you're reminded that you got an issue, an ought with a brother, he said, set down your offering, fix it, just fix it, No big deal. And then come back and keep worshiping. God will not bring up every single problem you have in your life all at once, okay? Otherwise your face would melt onto the ground. Like, oh my gosh. But he will show you from time to time, hey, you gotta, there's bitterness. There's There's a problem. You need to forgive them or you need to ask them to forgive you. Has this happened to you? Has God ever called you on your stuff before? Man, he does me all the time. He's thorough and I actually invite that. Lord, search my heart. See if there be any wicked way in me. He's gonna find it and then lead me in the way everlasting. He says, verse 12 again, I'm sending him back to you, therefore receive him, that's my own heart, whom I wish to keep with me, that on your behalf he might minister to me in my chains in the gospel. He says, man, I wish I could just keep him here. Why? Because Onesimus was truly brand new. He was saved. And by the way, can I say this? There will be evidence in your life if you're a born-again Christian, by the way you serve, by the way you become profitable, to the local church, to the local community, to your king, to your family. There'll be evidence. We see this in Acts chapter 16. The Philippian jailer, he's been beating Paul and beaten Silas, and then he gets saved in the middle of the night. First thing he does, he's like, oh my gosh, who beat your back? Oh wait, I beat your back. And he begins to put Neosporin on their backs, and he feeds them some, some food, and he takes care of them. You wanna evidence the gospel? You wanna say Jesus is real? It's gonna be seen in the way that you serve. Jesus did this. Greater love has no man than this than to give. Well, Onesimus is a valuable servant. He's not just a Christian who's sitting around. It says in verse 13, I wish to keep him with me that on your behalf he might minister to me in the chains for the gospel. Look at verse 14. But without your consent, I wanted to do nothing that your good deed might not be by compulsion as it were, but voluntary. Man, Paul's so rad. He's writing four books, sending them by Tychicus and Onesimus to these various churches And he writes this little letter. He's like, hey, Philemon, this is just so important to me. I was going to keep Onesimus because he's Christian now and he's serving me. And it's all good. But something in my heart said, that needs to be your decision. I could have just said it was the right thing. You probably would have believed me because I'm your boss. and And, you know, all this is going down. There comes a time in your Christianity, though, a beautiful time, where you don't need to be told what to do. You do what you're supposed to do. Isn't this amazing? I'm okay being told what to do. I can take orders from people. I put myself in submission to the people here at the church that are in leadership above me. I say, yeah, what are we doing? Okay, and it's a good place to be. But it's an even better place to be where someone doesn't have to tell you what to do, but you just scan the situation, and you say, he who sees it ought to seize it. I know this needs to be done. I'm gonna do it. I know this is what the scriptures say. I'm going to do it. And so Paul says, I could have just kept him, but I kind of wanted this to be your decision, that this wouldn't be by compulsion, but voluntary And can I just, again, put this out there? We make announcements on Sunday. We need Sunday school workers. We need security team people. And we need people on the worship team. And we need people to bring quarters. And we need people to spend money to Ukraine. And we need buses. And we need stuff for the school. And we need all these things. And those are by way of communication, so you can pray and support and celebrate. But it's even better when you find yourself seeing what needs to be done and just rising to the occasion and doing it. I was in Yakima for the better half of all last week. And while I was there, my son, Noah, he's here somewhere sitting in the back. And he texted me, he said, hey dad, I, I cleaned both the bathrooms in the house. And he said, they really needed it. <laughs> I said, I know they did. And then I got home and he'd also found the power washer in, in the shed somewhere and he power washed the driveway. And, and part of me wonders if he's hiding something, if he's in trouble. You know, I don't know, he, I'm just kidding. He, did, he knew, he, he's seen the way things get done. And, and he has moments where he's not doing things by voluntary he's doing a by compulsion but there's those moments in our life where we say i just want to show up early stay late and say yes to everything i want to grow this is onesimus in paul's trip and he's like dude this guy's he's legit i wake up in the morning and onesimus is already there he's got my coffee ready for me he's got the newspaper the roman times i'm there reading it you know and he's got it and he's figuring stuff out i needed some people to volunteer to go send these letters 800 miles maybe a thousand miles away And he's like i'll go i'll go what's going on you doing something i'll go to ukraine i'll go who's who's forcing you to do these things I've had some missionaries come to my house, some false prophets from false doctrine churches, and and I usually use the comparison, I say, hey, if you don't come to my house, do you get in trouble? Are you doing this by fear? Is this fear tactics? Is your your superior forcing you to go door knocking and give your literature? Do you have to report what you've done? I have gone, I've traveled the world. I've spent tens of thousands of dollars of my own money voluntarily, okay? There's no boast in that. This is a proper response to the things of Jesus Christ. He has given you everything you have received. Onesimus had only good things to give back because his life had changed. And there comes a point in your life where you just give. And you would be full of good deeds because you love God in that way. Look at verse 15. He says this now. He says, for perhaps, this is Paul putting the logic of the sovereignty of God, for perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. He's writing to Philemon, hoping to convey this message of salvation and God's sovereignty. I just love Paul. He'd already told us in verse 8, I can just simply tell you what to do, but I'm going to appeal to your heart. And then Paul logically, please listen. Paul logically says, maybe this happened, Philemon. Maybe this whole embarrassing debacle back in Colossae, where you and your wife were done dirty, you guys suffered in this way. Maybe it happened for a while, so that way it could be good forever. Guys, there's a principle here. That the temporal sufferings we experience in this world are of no comparison to the eternal weight of glory that we will one day celebrate and enjoy in heaven. Romans chapter eight, there is no comparison to what we will experience in heaven, listen, to the sufferings that you go through for a while. I wanna say what I've said for many, many years. We are Christians and Christians aren't protected from suffering. I wish we were like, oh, I'm a Christian. That's not gonna be hard for me. It's like, eh, on the contrary, it's probably gonna be harder. Christians suffer just as the world suffers. Everyone loses loved ones. Christians walk in difficulty, disease, divorce, it happens, unfortunate realities and decisions are made. Everyone suffers. Christians do suffer differently though. We suffer with two things. We suffer with purpose. God's causing things to work together for good. There's a purpose in our suffering. It's not just mindless or aimless. And we also suffer with hope. We have a hope. I can endure all things. When the cancer hits, when the divorce hits, when the setbacks or the downturns or the economic upheaval happens in your life, like it happens in everyone's, Paul says to Philemon, Hey, maybe for this purpose. Perhaps for this purpose. This happened for a while. I'll read it again. Verse 16. For perhaps he departed for a while for this purpose that you might receive him forever. Let's just ponder that for one second and make an application for our own lives. Have you been hurt? for a while, okay? The answer is yes, you have. Did you know that God has an eternal purpose for that? An eternal, you have to believe it. He's always working. Even when we can't see it, he's working. Even when we can't feel it, he's working. Oh, I love that truth. Because my attitude doesn't always convey that. I don't always act like I believe he's working, but I know he is principally, foundationally, even in the hurt, even in the difficulty. Otherwise, counselors and pastors and ministers and chaplains that represent Jesus Christ, could not rush to the scene of a crime or an accident or some mishap without having that eternal hope and promise. Hey, I know this hurts. I know this is unfair. I know this happened. You need to believe that our God is sovereign. And while it hurts for a while, God has an eternal greater purpose. This is so fun to believe, especially if you're getting older like myself. Not always gonna be here. Aren't you guys pumped? Not that I'm not going to be here, but aren't you you pumped that you're not going to be here? Like, God's got, he's working on stuff. Hang on to the promises of God. Well, Paul interjects this because I believe, oh, Philemon was still wrestling. Look at verse 16. He says, not only will you receive him forever, but no longer as a slave, but more than a slave. He's been changed. He's a beloved brother, especially to me. But now how much more? both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul, again, appealing for Onesimus, saying that he has taken this man and made him completely new. Guys, just keep hanging on to these promises. This world will soon pass. And everything and only things done for Christ will last. He was a slave, he's coming back to you? Not as a slave, as a brother. And even more than a brother to you and to me, And in the Lord. Like this whole thing's been wrapped up. How? The gospel. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the most important message you'll ever hear. Jesus is real. This is what the message of the church was. They were spirit filled. They were witnesses of the resurrection. They were flexible in all things. It hasn't changed for you or me, by the way. We're still trying to convey this message. And you might not be like the Apostle Paul. You might not be like Tyler Riles going to the Ukraine. How are you gonna demonstrate this message and its reality in the world you live in, in Lincoln County? By having an eternal perspective in your sufferings here, by forgiving the people around you, by trusting the Lord to redeem the things that only he can redeem. He promises to redeem. Paul is such a savage in this way. Paul's the, he, every time I read, Paul used to intimidate me. You know, does, does Paul still intimidate you? The book of Romans and first Corinthians, when you read that, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, I used to resonate and identify with Peter quite a bit because Peter's just a total idiot. And I'm like, I'm a total idiot too. You know, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I can get with Peter. And every time I study through the book of Acts, I'm like, dude, Paul, Paul is next level. He's next level. He wouldn't be stopped no matter where he went. He traveled the world, five hundred miles by sea, seven hundred miles by land on his first missionary journey alone. What? Time and time and time again. And then in little letters like this, just writing to one guy. Did you know that most of us won't be like the Apostle Paul? But you do know one guy. You know a guy, don't you? Do you know a guy? You should. You should at least know one guy. Maybe a girl too. You should know some people. You know some people. Isn't that cool? How many people do you guys know? I know some people. And God says, that's how I want you, Luke, to walk in the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people of Lincoln County. The people you're with. Start at home, you're Jerusalem, okay? Start at the community you're part of. You walk in freedom and you walk in eternal perspective look at verse 17 we see now a switch in the context Paul says this he's getting to the nitty-gritty he says hey man if then you count me as a partner receive him as you would me but if he's wronged you or owes you anything put that on my account now we're looking at some practical matters here and Paul says hey if you if you see me as a partner then receive him as you would me interesting choice of words partner it means deep friend or comrade it means one who has a shared thinking. Essentially, he's riding a thousand miles away and says, Philemon, we believe the same gospel, right? You believe in Jesus? Like we're, we're partners in this? We, we're partners in this, my bro. This is bigger than us. Isn't that great when you realize that the gospel of Jesus Christ is bigger than you? And he calls you out and says, hey, I want, I want some of you. Okay, it's not about me. And so Paul says, if, if we're partners, then do this for me. Treat him like you would me. Now let me just explain this real quick because it's an interesting word, partner. Everyone starts out their journey in Christianity as a consumer. You're not a partner. You start out your journey in Christianity as a consumer. You show up to church, you didn't pay for nothing. You didn't pay for the chairs, you didn't pay for the technology, you didn't pay for the, the bathrooms, the amazing, amazing bathrooms we have. Oh my gosh, can't believe we haven't been shut down yet. You, you didn't pay for the parking, you didn't pay for anything. You, didn't, you showed up rightfully as a person, introduced to Christ as a consumer. It's a blessing to you. But there is a time in your life where you become not a consumer of Christianity, but a contributor. Listen, there is a time in your life where Paul would say, are you a partner? Are you in, are you in this to win this? Are you making sure that the missions go out, that the lights stay on? That the ministry still, are you partnering with me? He's calling Philemon on this. It's working out horizontally. You need to forgive this guy. And I would just thank you guys who are partners in the ministry of Jesus Christ. I have no greater joy in my life than to partner with Jesus Christ and everything he's given to me. It's so awesome. Everything I have is his. Everything, I come up short. I'm still selfish. I got problems. But the Lord says, hey, Luke, are you my partner? Yeah, I am. Take my time, my talent and my treasure, take everything I have, Jesus. How cool is that? How cool is it when the Lord strikes you with that question? Are you a partner in the ministry of Jesus Christ? And then he goes on, I believe prophetically and heartfeltly in verse 18, Paul says, but if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account. Whoa, Paul's going big time now. And I believe this is a prophetical foreshadowing of the gospel of imputation that Christ offers you, where Christ says, hey, these are my partners. And if there's any offense in their accounts, Put that on my tab. It's actually the gospel and the doctrine of imputation. The doctrine of imputation, it's actually double imputation where the gospel teaches that Christ partnered with you or you partnered with him. And in that, Christ takes his righteousness and imputes it into your account. You're now a co-heir and a joint heir with his accounts. You are the, the heir of Christ. And when you check your debit balance on your spiritual account, you have all that Jesus has. How much is that by the way? That's <laughs> incredible! But it's double imputation. It's not just that Christ shares with you what he has. Listen, Christ also said, I'm gonna take what you have, which is nothing. As a matter of fact, it's less than nothing. As a matter of fact, it's offensive. I'm gonna take your sins and I'm gonna impute them into my account. And he who knew no sin would become sin that you might become the righteousness. It's a double imputation. Some call it the great switcheroo. Some call it the great exchange. It's a doctrine and a truth that Christ openly shared and lived. And now Paul calls Philemon out. And he says, hey, if he has harmed you, I'll pay it. I'll pay it. If he's done wrong, I'll pay it. And this is how Jesus appeals for you and for me. If Luke Frechette has offended the father, Jesus steps in and says, I'll pay for him. I'll pay for him. I'll take his sentence. He does the same for you and for me and for the sins of the whole world. Not only is this practically being offered to Philemon, but I believe it's a prophecy. Look at verse 19. He says, I, Paul, am writing with my own hand and I will repay, not to mention you that you owe me even yourself besides. In other words, he's saying, I'll repay. By the way, you owe me your life. Isn't that a rad reality when you realize when Jesus is calling you to forgive or to reconcile or to serve or to partner or to worship or to abstain and the Lord looks at you and says, hey, you owe me your life. I saved you. I give you everything. And it's not a fearful tactic. It is an enduring tactic. When the Lord says, I died for you so you could live for me. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Let's go. And it changes everything. And Paul says, man, I went to Colossians. Do you remember? I believe Philemon was a righteous man. His name is mentioned in the Bible only one time in verse two. Never before, never again. The letters to you, Philemon. I love you. God loves you. He's changed you he's also changed Onesimus and he's changing other people. This is what God does. Paul, you're in jail. Paul, you're in trouble. Paul, you're suffering. I know, not the point. The point is, is that Jesus is real and it's evidenced in the life of the believers as they get out into the world and minister to people and love people and forgive people. A couple more verses and we're done. He says in verse 20, yes, brother, let me have joy from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in the Lord. When we serve others, it's so refreshing to us and to others and to the Lord. You know that, right? Have you figured this out? When you go above the call, of, as a matter of fact, he says this in verse 20, having confidence in your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. Stop right there, I just wish I could develop this even further. I'm going to try. Paul says, Philemon, you're in it to win it. I know this is, I, I just know. When I tell you to do something for the king of kings and for Onesimus, I actually know you're going to do it. And not just a little bit, you're going to do it all the way. We call this going the extra mile. We call this going above the call of duty. Can I please implore our church to go the extra mile, to go above the call of duty in all of your relationships, in all of your partnership, in all of your sacrifices? Please do it as under the Lord. Don't just give just enough ever again. Don't give just enough in your employer, just enough in your your relationships, just enough in your government. Why would we do that? Jesus said, go the extra mile. Keep going. Paul Paul said, finally, I know you're gonna do this. I know you're going to, having no confidence. Verse 22, he also says, and I believe this is prophetical. He says, but meanwhile, also prepare a guest room for me, for I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Paul's in jail, doesn't know if he's gonna be released, but he says by faith, I will be released. How? Through your prayers. And when I get out, I'm coming right to your house and so make me a bed. That's pretty fun. <laughs> Paul's like, by the way, I'm gonna check up on you. I'll be there, I'll see how, you, how it went. How's Onesimus doing? How's it going? I'm here. Can I just make a prophetical application? Paul says, through your prayers, I will show up to you, Philemon. First Peter chapter 3, verse 12 says that when we believe in the return of the Lord and consider it, we hasten the day of his arrival. Did you know that one day while we're down here living hospitably and partnering with the Lord, one day Jesus Christ will show up again soon? And when we live with that anticipation, the hope of his near arrival, then we don't get caught doing silly stuff. We actually participate in things that are heavenly and eternal, and Paul says this to Philemon, I'm showing up, dude. And in those days, man, there's no tracker on my phone. You're not going to know right when I'm going to show up. Okay, it's going to be just like the rapture of Jesus Christ. It's going to be just like what happens next. Uh, two more verses and we're done. I wish I could develop these two, three verses. Paul says in verse 23, 24, and 25, he says, Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, greets you. Epaphras was the pastor of the Church of Colossae. We saw that mentioned in the book of Colossae. He also says, as do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow laborers. Guys, a couple things. Paul wasn't alone. He had a team of people helping him, okay? Four is more, discipleship groups, that's one way to do it. Life groups, another way to do it. You can have your own accountability, accountability groups, your own family, your own structure. You, just let me say this though, you can't do it alone. You weren't intended to. You ever been down to the redwoods of California? Those great big redwood trees, they're so tall and so massive and some of them even have holes carved out in them so you can drive through, just massive trees. Did you know that those great redwood trees only grow in groves? They don't grow stand alone, because their root system's actually shallow. And if they go down without intertwining their roots with other trees, the smallest wind will topple them over. Those trees can only grow next to each other. As big and mighty as they are, their root system is a shared strength down below. And I just wanna put this out there. Know who your strength is, know who your friends are. Don't forsake them. Speaking of that, Epaphras is a good guy. We see Mark here listed. This is Mark who would write the gospel of Mark. This is Mark who at one time, him and Paul had had a fight before. Mark quit on Paul and, and, and Paul didn't want to rehire Mark and he did him dirty and they, they had a big problem. Well, now guess what? Mark's in Rome with them serving. Thank God for that. Reconciliation. Not just Mark is there, but it says that Demas is there and Aristarchus. Aristarchus is seen and noted in the prison ship with Paul as he travels from Jerusalem to Rome. Demas is here. I just gotta say this one thing about Demas because I'm I'm hearing his name comes up. Demas' name is mentioned three times in the Bible. The first time it's mentioned, Paul says, my fellow laborer Demas greets you. Second time, he says, Demas is with me. And the third time we ever see Demas' name mentioned, Paul says this, Demas is not here anymore. He left. And he says he left for the cares of this world. He, He fell away. It's an interesting study. Second Timothy. He finally writes, and Demas didn't make the cut. I just say that because, man, the devil's real. He's trying to take you down. He's trying to take you out. And if you partner with him and have a little bit of compromise, and a little bit of blah, 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 careful, it's gonna explode in your face. Guys, last thought is this. Paul says, the grace, verse 25, of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Nobody knew the grace of Jesus Christ like Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle was a persecutor of the early church. Paul the apostle wrecked havoc on the early church. Paul the apostle was a murderer towards the early church and Jesus Christ saved him and gave him grace. And for the rest of his days, Paul had no other boast in his success other than the grace of Jesus Christ in his life. This is what makes Paul the champion of grace because he could go into any single place, whether it's Onesimus or Philemon, whether it's Rome or Athens or Crete, wherever he was at, he could preach the gospel of Jesus Christ because he knew every single person needed Jesus, even more so than him. And if you know Jesus today, it's because his grace has changed you. But if you're doubting that Jesus can change you, it's all by his grace that he can change you. He can use you and he can take you right where you're at and he can change your life for his glory and for others' good. Let's pray and ask God to make us champions of grace as well. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this practical book of Philemon. It took us five weeks to get through it, Lord. I feel like I just covered a lot of ground right now. And I pray in Jesus' name that you would forgive each one of us, Lord, especially us who are believers. I, I, I would hope everyone's a believer here, but with a crowd this size, I, I just can't assume that. And If you're a believer here, in Jesus' name, I'm praying for you right now that the God of all reconciliation would plead that cause of reconciliation with every single person in your life, that he would give you quick ability to forgive, quick ability to be healed, quick ability to be forgiven. He would grant mercies and graces. Lord, I pray for that in Jesus name just a healing. Just like on a broken bone would heal supernaturally, may you heal relationships, Lord, and marriages. Individuals here right now, if you need that healing relationally, you know you're broken. You love God, but man, there's some fractions going sideways. Would you just right now raise up your hand, just like a little bird just putting his hand up saying, "Lord, I need help, Jesus." Lord, would you help in Jesus name and would you reconcile and heal I thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. And Father, I pray thanksgiving that you saved Onesimus. And maybe you're here right now and you're just a a consumer and you're not a partner yet and you're wondering, is this even real? Jesus loves you. He brought you here for such a time as this. The world needs the gospel of Jesus and it's gonna be seen in your life first and evidence in the lives of the people around you. And if you're here this morning, you're not a believer. I want to give you an opportunity right now to simply say, yes, Lord, be my king. Forgive me of my sins. Live with me until I die and take me to heaven and be with you when that day comes. If that's you and you want Jesus to be your king, would you raise up your hand right now? Put it up nice and proud. I'm not looking. This is between you and him. Put it up there and say, yes, be my king. Be my savior. Help me to live for you. Fill me with your spirit even right now. Make me a man or a woman after the things of God. Put your hand up right now and seal the deal On this very first Sunday in October, Lord, bless my friends and family. Thank you for all you've done, all you're doing. Lord, just humbled you can put your hands down. Lord, it feels today like it was just kind of a fast service. A lot happened. And that's okay. Because it's not about this service, it's about your kingdom. And I pray in Jesus' name now you would fill us with your Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, one last petition. One last petition, Lord, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit that you would make us, Lord, men and women who testify of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and you bless us, Lord, that we'd be flexible knowing that your will is best. Just one more, one, more, one more ask. If you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit to walk in the ministry that God's called you to, husband, wife, ministry leader, deacon or elder, Sunday school teacher, bus driver, whatever, who are, if we just raise up your hand right now, if you need to be spirit-filled, you need to be filled with the Spirit Just confess that. Even if you don't raise your hand, you need it. So he's gonna do it one way or the other. But I just, I participate in this way. Lord, fill us, we pray. Thank you, Jesus, for all you've done. Bless the 11 a.m. service. They're looking for parking spots. You can put your hand down. And uh, just minister to them, Lord, and to us. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said. Amen and amen. Hey, God bless you guys. Don't forget Saturday uh, at 7 p.m. at the Performing Arts Center, we're going to worship the Lord together. Walk in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. I love you guys very much. I'm praying for you. Contact us if you need anything. If you want to be part of our safety team, come sign up. Front here right now. Don't forget to bring some soap and quarters next week as well. God bless you. You are dismissed.